Imagine, if you will, a beautiful small town New England community, one with no traffic lights, no fast food restaurants, where the homes have fields for yards, neighbors that can't be seen from the front steps, but are still there with a cup of sugar anytime you need it. This is Hardwick. With less than 3,000 people, this small town was built on hard work and a strong sense of community. And it is now the epicenter of a potential rebirth of thoroughbred horse racing and the rise of sports betting in Massachusetts. This podcast is here to pose questions, offer perspectives, and share information about the proposed racetrack as a way to encourage those within the community and its surrounding communities to do their due diligence and truly consider what this could mean for the town and the surrounding towns. It's here to urge you to look below the surface, beyond the immediate impact, and consider the full picture as Hardwick prepares for a special vote that will determine whether the location for the racetrack will be approved. Welcome back. Today, I have a special guest. We are joined by Robin Prouty, who's gonna share some information, some perspectives, and some additional insights around the agricultural preservation restrictions, APRs, that are connected to the land that is included in the proposal set forth by the Commonwealth Equine and Agricultural Center, owned by Commonwealth Racing and New England Horse Park. All right, Robin, so can you share a little bit about you, about why you're invested and interested in Hardwick and what's happening here? Um, well, I have lived in Harvard for 40 years, and I feel very fortunate to have married into Clover Hill Farm, and my husband and I, Steve, we have a fifth generation, excuse me, the fourth generation to run the farm, and our son is the fifth generation, um, and I consider the town a very unique New England town with all the villages having an important history to be valued, and, uh, so our farm was established in 1888, and I'm very dedicated to farm life. I'm a vet tech by trade, a veterinary technician by trade. I show dogs and train dogs. So my whole life pretty much revolves around the animals. Yeah, yeah. And as somebody who's involved in agriculture, um, one of the reasons I wanted to talk to you is because you had you have that connection. Um, and I know you know something and have done your own research about that agricultural preservation restrictions, otherwise known as APRs. Um, and I'd love for you to share, if you're able to, what, what exactly are APRs? Okay. Well, I'm going to, I'll do the short, the short version. Um, agricultural preservation restriction was established in 1977. It's administered by Mass Department of Agricultural Resources. And it is considered the cornerstone of Massachusetts farmland protection efforts. So that was the purpose of why it's, it was created. And the state program, so it's run by Commonwealth of Mass, the state program pays farmland owners the difference between fair market value and agricultural value. And it is a permanent deed restriction. Uh, and it's specific to preserve farmland, not open space per se, farmland for agricultural use. And one, one point is that it prohibits activities that are wasteful of natural resources. 
Um, so that's APR in a nutshell. There are there are several provisions of how it's described and what's what is um, prohibited, um, what is allowed, but the emphasis is specific agricultural purpose. Yeah. So it's basically restrictions that are guided by who is it the Department of Agriculture? That the Mass Department of Agricultural Resources okay. is the umbrella over the APR program. Okay. And it's so that's who administrates it. Yeah. That makes sense. That makes sense. And the reason this is relevant for anybody who's listening, the reason APRs are relevant to what we're talking about as far as the proposal of the racetrack is that um, nearly all of the property, except for a 1.3 acre exclusion around the main house um, of this property is subject to a permanent restriction on the land. Um, and this restriction, based on what I understand, prohibits subdivision, development, paving, mining, or any non-agricultural use. What can you tell me about these specific um, APR restrictions? Well, it is indeed 359 acres that are restricted by APR at the Great Meadowbrook Farm. Uh, so there's several reasons why a farm owner would sell the development rights. So let's get through that. Um, they sell the development rights. As I said, the state pays them a specific value, depending on how big the farm is. Um, they're selling the development rights. The most prevalent reason to sell development rights is probably most likely estate planning and to reduce farm debt. Mm -hmm. So that was the case many years ago. I believe it was 1985. It was that, that long ago. Um, that Guernsey Dell which was a wonderful Guernsey dairy farm in right at Great Meadow, what is now called Great Meadowbrook. Um, so dairying was a tough business. It's still a tough business. Mm -hmm. um, you know, unless you're milking, you know, 10,000 cows in the Midwest, there's pretty, there's, there's not too many 75 cow herds anymore. Yeah. And at in, that time, it was one of the few in town that was remaining after correct. it had already decreased drastically. Yes, I can't remember the statistics. Steve told me years ago that back at the turn of the century, not not this century, the last one in yeah. 1900, there was like a hundred yeah. farms, dairy yeah. farms. I can't, I can't even imagine that, a hundred dairy farms in Hardwick. Yeah. And then it got down to, and now- Is it, it was three, it, but I think it's and two. And now it's only two. Um, so, at Guernsey Dell, you know, despite the efforts of the Goodfield family, a dairying was so challenging in the 80s and 90s. They, Chester Goodfield, star, and he was, he was the second generation. He was really good friends with my husband's uncle and father. Um, when I was first married, Chester probably sat in our kitchen five days a week having coffee and talking about dairy farming and the state of hard work. <laughs> Okay. Um, and he was a wonderful man. So they sold the development rights in, in 1985. And for them, it was to reduce farm debt. Um, and despite the efforts, the, it, it was so challenging and the farm was, the farm was sold. I believe it was like 1995. It was in the 90s. 95 or 96. Yeah. yeah. And um, that, and it was sold to 
what is now called Great Meadowbrook. And now we are where we're at. Yeah. After, uh, you know, 20 years, um, there is no doubt that the owner of Great Meadowbrook took great care and great investment to rehab the farm, yeah. rehab the dairy barn and make the most beautiful, pristine farm it is. But it has been void of livestock for 20 years. Yeah. Um, but it was still in that, but under it, that but APR, APR stays when the farms are, when each, when the farm is sold, APR restrictions go with it. And that cannot change. Yeah. That and it can be, it, it went from livestock to what it became, which was, yes, the horse. which was, which, well, it wasn't horses. It was, um, the horses did not reside at Great Meadowbrook. Yeah. They okay. had to have their own private property down in another part of Hardwick, but no, the the business was haying, and they did a ma amazing job of of haying the the their pristine hay fields, and that was the basis of that was the agricultural use of the property, and although they did have you know horse events, they were one time events, one time a year. They were events, and they were nonprofit. <laughs> they were not a business. So those horse events were, as they said, they must have gotten a special permit for those, but they were not a business. Yeah. yeah. Is there anything about this specific APR that is kind of a red flag for what's being planned? Well, uh, yeah. <laughs> the, you know, the bottom line is that a commercial racetrack is a commercial endeavor. A racing is an industry. It is a commercial industry. It's entangled with the gaming industry, obviously. Gaming is an industry. Gaming, gambling. It's an industry, which is now being very much pushed by the Commonwealth of Massachusetts. Um, by definition, racing is a commercial industry, and it is certainly not included in any provision of APR. And it's not even listed by special permit. Um, the horse breeding component uh, that the investors have put into their proposal, I find, just my opinion, seems an unlikely event. Um, there's, I, there's not many, if any, breeding programs that are located at the track where outside populations of horses are being trailered in and out for racing, normally you would not put your brood mares and stallions on that property. And why is that? Well, that would be for health issues, biosecurity issues of, of horses, move, movement of horses from out of state in and out where you're breeding very expensive horses. It's just not something that is commonly done. And I'm not sure, and I can be stand, I will stand corrected, but, um, I have a lot of horse friends and they all raise their eyebrows yeah. at that idea. Yeah. Um, so the other thing is the excavation, which is going to be required uh, to construct a regulation track. So this is not your dirt track at a county fair. This is a highly, this is a highly planned uh, with the, it, there's, all sorts of rules around the construction of a racehorse track. The, there are rules about the construction. 
And then it also has to be certified. So when you say the construction of the track, you mean the actual track that the, the actual, horses will be running on? Yes. So, so the ground that they'll be yes. will require so it will require excavation. Okay. It will require movement to they they obviously are not going to race downhill and that land is not level. So there will be some sort of excavation. It would have to be required for the safety of the horses. So there's a new federal law. Let me think. It's called HISA. So it's the Horse Safety Integrity, um, Horse Racing Integ and Integrity Horse. Act. Horse, Horse Safety Integrity. Horse Racing and Safety and Integrity Act. Yes. Thank you. That was a mouthful. <laughs> so um, the two main points of that is, of course, that it came into federal law because of all the doping of horses. But I don't, I'm not going to worry about that today because that's the business of the horse industry. Uh, but it, there is some, there are some real provisions about track construction. Yeah. And it does have to be certified yeah. by HISA. It will have it to be. It makes sense because you would think it would need to be level and, yep. and a it's certain also, consistency. It's also, yeah, it's also the levels of the soil and how it's made to, yeah. to run on. So okay. that one mile track there that they're proposing that is going to have, I'm, I'm not even sure of the width of that, that that entire area would most likely have to have some sort of change made to it, which oh, incredibly and it based on the APR, is that allowed? Well, I think that a training track could cost a training track in conjunction with a horse with a horse breeding if they were actually raising horses that's a whole nother question and mystery to me so if you have a horse breeding program normally you send those the promise promising youngsters out to be trained they don't stay at the horse breeding facility they go sent out to trainers and they go to training tracks they don't get trained on the tur on the track where racehorses are being raced, they go to a training track. So I'm not an expert on all that, but that is my impression. Yeah. Um, so I'm not understanding where the young horses are. What 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 is happening? Yeah. With this Which is one is is what would be considered the agricultural side versus the business side. Correct. Yeah. Is Correct. that that um, breeding and raising of horses would be considered that, agricultural. That, that is within APR's provisions. Yeah. But then the construction of the, the most likely excavation that would need to happen in order to meet the regulations for the racing track would require them to potentially go against what the current restrictions are for this exactly and we're also here in new england we are restricted by weather yeah use nobody there's six months of the year no one is using that track no horses are being trained nothing is happening one of the things that actually just popped into mind as we were talking is i know that they have um stated that their intention was to continue to hay the fields up there and one of the things that pops into mind is if they're doing <laughs> these events, if they, and that that was going to be considered part of their agricultural stuff, right? Mm -hmm. um, 
my experience with farming and haying is usually there's three cuts. If you're lucky on a good year, there's yeah, three cuts. Yeah. yeah. Even four. Um, sometimes. sometimes four. Yeah. Um, yeah. Really, really sale. good. Yeah. Yes. Um, Not very often, but <laughs> those have to be timed. There has to have enough time for them to grow. There has to be enough rain, all the things that things need to Everything grow. Everything is on schedule. With, <laughs> how are they, uh, this just occurred to me, if people are coming to events up there, parking, what all racing, they're having to maintain this track, how how well, are, it's an, that's a very interesting thought. How well yes. how, how will it happen? It, it just, it doesn't seem practical that, that the two could coexist. work, coexist, work hand in hand. Maybe when they're doing one, one, I'm, I'm making air quotes for yes. those listening, yes. um, festival a year, um, and one or two simulcast events for a year, they could get a couple cuts in. But once they right. go up much above that, that's right. the and time of year they're proposing is when cuts happen. Right. And the other thing that makes sense is I keep going back to this horse breeding component is that if they're raising young horses, which they say that they are because they think that part of that is training, which I still think is far-fetched, um, the young horses have to be pastured. They mm -hmm. we're, There's going to be not that there's anything wrong with it if if it but there's going to be fences and fences and turnouts and paddocks and sheds and there's going to be all sorts of stuff all over the place that will have to be constructed which means and it's not that it's big you know a turnout a, a shed is not that big of a deal i don't even know if it would be considered like a new barn but my point is that things are going to be divided up where uh, you know, fields will be hayed and there will have to be some pasture and then we'll have the track. And so haying looks like a pretty complicated mess to me. Yeah. So I don't know. I don't yeah. know. It, and it's I think not all I want to say is, yes, I, I you know, it, it is, it's way more complicated than they're making it sound. Yeah. 100%. That, that's the bottom line. And, and the reality is that whatever the case, there are these restrictions that need to be taken into consideration and need to be met in order to stay compliant. Yeah. Mm -hmm. And, yep. and that if this location is going to be used for this as a town who is, has been built on agriculture, I mean, like you said, a hundred, uh, was. we, we were built you know, both of us are talking about coming from long lines of farming families here. Um, it's important to understand that this compliance is part of the integrity of our town. Yes. And I want to add, I do want to add the one thing that is brought up is about special permits and special permit application. The other thing that is very far-fetched is that special permit applications for race days also does, that does not fall within APR restrictions because mm -hmm. special permits are usually a one-time thing. It is not ongoing business. And that is the ongoing business of racing. And so the over the walls event was not a business, as I said before. So that was an event. Yep. It's not a business. Yep. And so then it becomes the question is, does this does the business fall within APR provisions, mm. which I do not believe it does. 
All right. And these, these are all just things to consider, right? Things to think about as you're evaluating what decision you're making. Is there, is there anything else that you can think of um, as someone who is ingrained in the Massachusetts agricultural um, side of things? Is there anything else that you can think of that um, really is kind of a concern or something that people should think of um, regarding this proposal? Yeah. yeah, I think that we have to remember that this, this is, again, the racing interesting industry moving in on this property. Um, so they, it is obviously, it's a business, they require simulcasting. If you're gonna have a racetrack, that's what it's all about. This is about gambling. And let us not remember, the purpose of this is business. It's to make money for the investors, period. No, nobody raised their hand to save Hardwick here. This is a business deal to make millions of dollars for the investors. So along with simulcasting, there's going to be an immediate rollover to include sports betting, which is really quite outrageous when it comes down to an APR farm in a small town. So I don't even want to think about the road that is going down. Um, and the, the other thing to get back to farming is, you know, this is, it is a beautiful farm. And this is really pulling the rug out from any young farmer, anyone who would want to farm, to have that opportunity. And every time we think about, if we think about losing local farms, we think about losing local food production. And though it may not be important to some people who go to the supermarket and they buy their pork chop in the meat department, but there are, there are many people, and Massachusetts, interesting, is one of the biggest promoters of local agriculture, local food. We are, I have friends, I show dogs across the country, and I have friends in Illinois that look at me like I have two heads that say, you are kidding. You actually sell your own meat that you raise at your farm? They, they, that is like, unheard of in the Midwest because everything is factory farming. Now, factory farming exists because we have to feed the masses. There are whatever, 300 million people in this country. They, we have to feed millions of people. Our farm obviously cannot feed millions of people, uh, but I think it's really appreciated by the locality. And we have people that come pretty far distances now. It's, it's pretty amazing to buy local meat and also the vegetable farmers in town that to get CSAs for vegetable farms and all the other local small businesses that are trying really hard. We cannot destroy that opportunity because farmland is finite. Once it's gone, it is gone. And we're, we're, we're really gonna lose that opportunity. And Again, I'm gonna say Great Meadowbrook Farm does not exist to save the town. It is a farm. And I think it should be utilized that way. And we, I would hope as a town could come up with some better financial solutions for this town than to cut its nose off despite its face, as they say. Um, I, just, I just think that that is an important part of how the situation we're in. Yeah, I think what you said about once 
once <laughs> once you go down this road, right? And I think this is important to consider. Once we go down this road, once this land is used for this reason, what would it take to go back? And if this does or doesn't work, what are the long-term ramifications for the town? And that's that that's that thing to consider as you're yep. thinking about this. Yep. And, and I'll and I'll I will close with um on that point, you know, how do how do we get back? We might not ever we can't we probably can't get back. Um so the, I mean there's no question in my mind that what is proposed by Commonwealth Gracie is not agricultural. But my last thoughts are I'm, I am very bewildered by residents who support this very complicated business called the racing industry. This isn't, a, this isn't, that's what you have to call it. That is what you're supporting. And by inflating land values, which is, is happening, uh, which will eventually almost immediately create higher tax rates and higher rent. Everybody is under the impression this is somehow saving the town, but we have to know our taxes and rent will go up. They it never go down under the best of circumstances. They are pretty much guaranteed to go up with this situation. The cost to our town will never be offset by any revenue that's being offered by this by the racing industry. And the track proposal is not viable alone. The only route to the millions of dollars for the investors is the sports betting license. That's what they're after. This really isn't about racing. It sounds like a lovely plan, but that's not what it is. Yeah. They seek sports betting right now. It's hot off the press. State of Massachusetts is giving out the sports betting licenses. It's legal now. And the sports betting is not an afterthought. That is what they, that's what they want and this is only the means to get it. Yeah. Yeah. And again, this is this is the idea of, you know, we need to look below the surface, beyond the smoke, beyond the mirrors, and, and look for what's really happening um, as you're evaluating what you're going to decide to do when this vote comes. And the one other thing that I wanted to, because there are parts of this that, that as I stated before, I know sounded appealing to me, you know, that the idea of, um, you know, potential, <laughs> the idea of potential um, education happening there, involvement with 4-H, right? Things that I know I loved and would be great, but at what cost? <laughs> it is, I hate to say it, it sounds good, but I feel that it is a gimmick to, to, to roll it in with the horse breeding, which somehow they think that it will allow the racetrack. It's the idea the of them meeting those agricultural be, requirements. Right. I think, and that's one of the reasons I really wanted to talk about this right. is, is these restrictions exist. They need to meet these restrictions in order to get approval for this, even beyond our vote. Right. And we need to, as a town, help help this by understanding, are they really going to be meeting yes. these restrictions? Well, and so let me say this. So if somebody came to town and said, I want to start an agricultural, a school at Great Meadowbrook, the provisions of APR would still have to be met. Mm -hmm. The school could be set up in a building, but APR would still dictate that 
a huge percentage of the farm would have to be active in agricultural endeavor and production of some sort. Yeah. So a school is fine, yeah. but the rest of the farm still has to fulfill APR's yeah. provision. And even that, there's even restrictions that exist as far as what can be built on the property, what how things need to be used, right? There are levels to these APR restrictions that are deeper than just agricultural use, right? And that that are reflective of that need. Um, so I encourage you, as again, as you're considering this, just really look deeper, do your research. Um, there'll be some information about the APR restrictions related to this uh, property in the show notes. If you have questions, feel free to reach out. And is there anything else that you want to share, Robin? Just thank up? you for having me. And you know what? I just hope people can look at the big picture. Stop fixating on the proposal, the money, the dollars and cents, and look at the big picture of how this is going to affect everybody and in incredibly negative ways in the long haul. Yeah. So thanks. thank you. Thanks for sharing your, your knowledge and your perspective today. Thanks for listening. Additional information and links related to this episode can be found in the show notes. And just a reminder, if you haven't already, be sure to mark your calendars for January 7th, 2023 from noon to 7 p.m. This is when the special election for the proposed racetrack location at 228 Barry Road will be held. We hope you come informed, educated, and ready to make a conscious decision for the benefit of your entire community.